I think of so many women even now too that we just accept feeling kind of crappy once you're a mom. The social norm is still to be kind of tired, kind of disheveled, kind of depleted. And you talk to women in the generation before us and all of them will just say, yeah, welcome to motherhood. There's actually no reason why we have to not feel our best. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. We are here for you. Uh, We have conversations about anything and everything from health and wellness to spirituality, sexuality, social issues, entrepreneurship. We keep it real. We keep it real. And People are always like unfiltered. that, like, how do you be so real? I'm like, I don't, I think I'm like more shocking than I think. <laughs> like, I think I'm just being normal. People are like, wow, you share so much. <laughs> I'm like, I, did I? Like, I know sometimes I black out. I don't really know what I share. I don't know, man. It feels good. I don't know, man. Join in. <laughs> For real. I definitely have had like a, a vulnerability hangover at points. I've shared a little much and I feel a little nervous about it. Yeah, I've definitely listened to episodes where I'm like, mm. Mm. might have been dude when we're on other podcasts. Oh. And they ask me questions and like, I don't know how to answer, but from the heart and I'll just say stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, that still hurts. And that makes us makes me think about guests that we have on and they feel ah, the same way where they're like, one. wow, I didn't expect to share that wow. much, which is a good thing. Wow, that's a really good one. Because I do think that there's a lot that I can think of that I wonder if they felt that way. Yeah. wonder if they felt a little raw after because we kind of go there. Yeah. So maybe that's why, you know, people really have to be fully interesting. Now that this is coming full circle for me, it's, you know, good to have people that are going through it and part of the process. But I think that there are things that I'm processing and working on that, you know, we've talked about during interviews that I'm like, I don't know if my answer is really crisp or... You know, it's kind of like open-ended. Yeah, and I'm sure it does that feel other people have like felt that too. Yeah. Open wound where you're like, I don't know, man. Yeah. And your answer will change because you haven't fully, you know, processed it. Yeah. That's what's so hard too about like anyone in the public eye, not us. I'm talking about actually like celebrities or anything like that where like something just happens and people are asking for like a statement and you're like, hey, I need a moment. Like, yeah. You know, to like that Justin Bieber process. documentary. I know. So there's this Justin Bieber documentary. It's like 30 minutes on YouTube. And it really goes, it kind of just presented like a different side of him where you see him as a really, really young kid and you see the paparazzi in his face 24-7 saying mean and berating things all the time. And it contrasts with this person that creates YouTube videos 
of himself taking his camera and putting it in the face of strangers and how angry and upset people get when the camera's in their face. And when celebrities get angry and upset when when paparazzi put cameras in their face and they're saying things that are rude or, you know, mean that we are, we're like, oh my God, they freaked out. Like blah, 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 blah. You know, but- It was so sad to see too, like that- that scene in there where he was in his car and it's a big fucking car. Like you got to drive like a big car when you're out in Hollywood and like he's going to like a dinner, right? And he's leaving and he cannot move. There are so many paparazzi around. And then one of the paparazzi like fall. I don't know if he got actually hit. I don't know if it was just dramatic. I don't know. Not my place to judge it, but like And then Justin like gets out of the car. He's like, yo, man, like, uh, are you okay? Like he was genuine, just like, oh my God. But it's like, hey, everybody. Yeah. Move out of the fucking way. He's not perfectly. Yeah. Or he's not purposely running over anyone. He's trying to to go. You know what I mean? Where they're so dramatic. They're like, Justin, stop it. As if they're like purposely running over him. Hey, (laughs) you know? Because it's it's honestly, there's the story. Someone falling, you know, and acting like they're hurt. And yeah, it's just heartbreaking, you know, to imagine being like a little teenager and you just broke up with like Selena and everyone's like, hey, I heard Selena's got a new boyfriend. You know, that's what actually Kim Kardashian said recently. Someone was like, how do you stay wrinkle free? And of course, she doesn't say the truth, you know, which is whatever. (laughs) But she did say she was like not smiling. She's like, you know, the paparazzi used to talk so much shit to me when I was pregnant and call me fat and call me disgusting. She's like, now I never smile because I never want to smile at them because they're so rude. Wow. And it's funny. There was like a clip of Kanye. That's a funny answer and true. It's amazing. And it's like a guy and Kanye is like opening his garage and the guy's like, good morning, Kanye. And Kanye is like walking across his garage and he's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like incredible. I was like, dude, like that. respect. Like he's literally a man in his garage. Also, how did the paps get so close to his garage? I was garage? wondering that too. I think there's like a footage, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it was probably a long time ago too, well, to be honest. You yeah, know, their, so their security is probably airtight right now. Mm-hmm. Like with what they have going on, but it was Damn. awesome. Cause I was like, ah, but it's interesting. I think now we're more educated about paparazzi and kind of their game. So I hope that we have more sympathy for celebrities. Completely. I proceeded to have a very weird dream after you told me to watch the Justin documentary. And then I had a dream that I was like hanging with Justin and Haley uh, Bieber. And we were so chill. And it was, I mean, they like got me, I got them, whatever. And then I left and I was like, I was like, I should invite Krista. Like this would be fun. And then like Krista came over and she was stealing shit. (laughs) She stole a postcard from the drawer and started to write a letter to herself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from their address. Dude. And then when we left, because me being just like goody two-shoe asshole. True monster. I was like, I was like, we gotta get out of here. Like, you can't be stealing shit. And then from the front lawn, they had decorated for the holidays and you stole a trumpet off <laughs> and started to play it down the street as if to celebrate that you stole it. Fuck. You're like, I can't take you anywhere. It you was thief. amazing. Honestly, TBT to me in high school, being a little klepto. Jeez. Oh man. My gosh. So my car, I got a, I, you guys, I got a hit and run. So I don't yeah. know if y'all have ever had been hit and run. This girl was hit, hit and, and they ran. I've been hit. I need maybe, to maybe I, six times in LA. I honestly can't have a nice car because of it. 
I, I, if, if I don't have a, a dent or a scratch or a, a damage to my car, it's not a normal. It's not normal. I think you need to ask someone, whoever, like what it means, like what this means. Yeah, I, I don't think anything's wrong. I just like, what is the energy around that? Yes. I didn't know that it wasn't normal until people were like, oh, like, oh my God, you're in an accident. I'm like, I've probably been in 20 accidents. Yeah. The way you Total, react when you're in an accident and I've been in one of DF. them with you, you're just like, okay. Literally <laughs> degaff so hard. People are like, oh my God, so stressful. My cortisol doesn't even spike. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like this time. You're it, like protocol. Protocol. I was, at a, <laughs> I was at a red light and they hit me from the back. She ran, but all these sweet people were my, they, you know, got their nice. information, got her name. So the police came because that's what has to happen. They have to check out the scene and, you know, we process, we're going to prosecute her, you know, because I, she looked my age, like I was kind of like, you have a really nice car. Like you should know better. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not really going to give you any slack because it just looked like someone that should really take responsibility for their actions. And the police was over at my house and he's like really quiet, but he was like, mm, where are you from? And I'm like, Ohio. He's like, oh, you really, you're someone, I can't put my finger on it. Who you remind me of? It's like, oh, you look so familiar. Oh, and I'm here like, we go. Hmm. And I'm not going to be like almost 30. I'm not going to, I was like, okay. Of course, I'm like a little bit like, what? Like Kate Bosworth? Like, <laughs> I'm like, who are we talking? He's like, oh, that's what it is. I'm thinking all these like celebrities. I'm like, ah. He's like, you look like my chiropractor from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. It's a like, beautiful chiropractor. It's a, it, she, she's a beautiful. He's like, because you're from Ohio, right? She's like, He's, she's from the Midwest too. She acts a lot. Totally. Acts, acts like you. I was like, oh yeah. Tell her what up. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, hilarious. Wow. Krista Williams. Who do you, who do people say you look up. like? <laughs> Everyone. T- Evelyn talks from Wisconsin. Evelyn, yeah, She's a chiropractor. Send me your pick. My celebrity lookalike <laughs> shall not be named. Shall not be named. Y'all She's one of my it. favorite people on the planet. Anyway. Um, now there's going to be a thread in the group. Yeah, I think there already was and people guessed it and I didn't Fucking acknowledge I. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we wanted to actually talk about um, a question we had in the group. It was an anonymous question because, you know, we've either experienced it or know people who have and and just feel like maybe we could hash it out. Yeah. Listener question you. segment. Listener question, listener question, listener do, do, question. Do, 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 do. All right. All right. Basically, I think I'm in love with my boss. I technically don't report to him. He's a few years older than I am and feel I feel a connection with him that I'm pretty sure I've never experienced before like a hard to put into words, talk about anything. How do I feel so comfortable and how do you feel so familiar type of connection? He has been an advocate for me to do whatever I want career-wise and has been encouraging me to apply to other positions within the organization that would put us more on a level of playing field. He'd be involved in some of my work in those roles, but not oversee any of it. We've kind of tiptoed around this quote unquote connection thing, but I'm afraid that people at work are going to start catching on. He walked into the office the day after we had an amazing five hour coffee and conversation meeting made with the intention of discussing work and my career goals. And I thought my heart was going to jump out of my chest. My coworkers remarked at how great of a mood he was in. He kept making what felt like extra long, let's just give it away type eye contact with me. And there have been remarks and rumors already. As if it weren't complicated enough, I'm also in a relationship that I feel is coming to its close. I've had intuitive hits for the last six months before I started working at my current job and is and it needing to end. And I feel that neither one of us are in 
are the person that the other needs us to be. The typical quote, he's not a bad guy, he's not treating me poorly, he's trying script plays through my head and keeps me around. But I feel that my true feelings are starting to seep out. I'm not hoping to leave my boyfriend for my boss, but I'll admit that feeling the connection with one makes me realize just how much I'm missing and needing from the other. Um, she's just asking for any like guidance and woo-wee. I've actually been in a similar situation. Yeah. When I was in Chicago and I was dating my person of like five years, I started working and the person that I had a crush on was like hilarious. Like people were like, who? Like it was the most- (laughs) Was it the vibe? It was, yo, and the dude didn't even like me. Like honestly wouldn't even like, it wasn't just rude to me, but he just had zero interest in pursuing a relationship Mm -hmm. at work. was very professional. And I literally made up this whole thing in my head. Like I used to go on runs. I found out where he lives. I used to go on runs like near his apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, the positioning that we would do, I mean, being like, what time? Yeah, I'd be like, what time does he walk out of work? Yeah, you're like crouched down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Literally eye roll puke. So embarrassing. All my coworkers like Cassidy and like all of them would be like, huh? Like, are you sure? And I would just have a fantasy in my head of like, he also was so emotionally unavailable that I found that attractive. Uh, of course. Like so emotionally Obviously. unavailable. And I was in a, re- but the thing was, is that I was in a relationship that needed to end that I wanted to get out of. So it was really like diverting my energy and attention to someone else to not focus on my own issues and the issues that I was having on my relationship. Yeah, it's like if you were if you were in a relationship that you were just like like you are in now, I mean you don't even see those people, right? No, it's like man. you literally don't even detect that uh, that energy or that attraction. So it's, you know, I think this situation for for her is more about her current relationship and you know, the boss thing is hard. It's there's so many things at play in that dynamic. So not only are you in a setting where you kind of have to keep things secret, which is sexy, but like, you know, there's like fun ways to have like this sexual tension and to flirt safely. And then there's this like power dynamic because he's your boss. And like, I mean, I totally get it. I mean, you guys know my story. I really don't have to tell it again, but I, you know, slept with my boss mm-hmm. when I was in a relationship. And um, yeah, there's something about the other and what you shouldn't do and shouldn't pursue. That is just, there's a human like desire for that. And I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why. But what I would say is, Wear that little skirt that you like to wear. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I would do. Wear your top real low. You know, innocent flirting is innocent flirting, right? And, but... Hope he's not dating anyone or married. Yeah, truly. That's that's something to take note of and run far away if he is. Mm -hmm. But really what I think this is saying a lot about what you need to figure out about your relationship you're in now. And maybe that's a really honest, open conversation about like, what's been going on. You're probably not the only one in the relationship that feels that way. You know, like uh, there is a conversation to be had and I'm sure he's waiting to have it. This is always my advice for my friends that are in these situations. (laughs) And I don't know if this is like popular opinion, but I feel like shameful saying it. It's okay. But I am a huge fan of (laughs) breaking up with your partner. 
So using this as an opportunity for you to see, uh, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the things that you're missing from your relationship, it doesn't seem like you can fixate it or fix it or that it's going to work. And I would use this relationship you have at work as a distraction. Yeah. As a distraction to keep you from, you know, being really upset when you're broken up and to keep you fr- keep you from going back. So this can be the op- an opportunity for you, whether it's going to last or not, you know, whether it's going to turn into a relationship or not. I think it could allow you to break up more smoothly, ha- more happy because you are, facts are facts. You're getting attention from another dude. Mm-hmm. I'll say it. No shame. No shame in the game. And then um, a lot of times people do a breakup before they do another breakup. There's like a test breakup. You know, people break up. They're like, oh my God, I'm scared. And then they'll go back and be back together Mm -hmm. when they know they shouldn't have. So this will prevent you from doing that because hopefully you have a distraction within the person, you know, at work. And a lot of times I've seen is that the person at work doesn't end up being some someone that you're with. They're just the catalyst for you to be broken up with the person that you've been with together. And you eventually see within the person at work things that you maybe aren't interested in or you maybe aren't into, but they're really there just to provide a buffer, buffer and a cushion for you as you end this long-term relationship. And, you know, it's hard to do, but with a feeling that you're going to have when you make that call and you have that honest conversation, you know, probably leaving the guy out that you're crushing on is what I would do, uh, is going to be an amazing feeling and it will set both of you free. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think just like kind of checking in with yourself along the way. So it's being really clear about like, so yeah, if you break up with your current boyfriend and, you know, tell this other guy, like your honest feelings, it's just being having such a clear communication with yourself where it's like, okay, like I don't know where this is going to go, but I am ready and willing and open to just kind of let it be what it needs to be. And I'm here for the lessons and I'm here for the the heartbreak. If there's some, like I am, you know what I mean? Like, cause I think if you, if you go into that being like, well, like I must be feeling this strong feeling for a reason. Like maybe this is my person. Yeah, maybe, but maybe not. So just being very realistic and be, very like loving towards like, yourself in these situations and making sure that like it's cheesy, but having that self-care and that alone time to be able to check in. Because if you go from one intense relationship to the next, I'm not saying don't do that because I've seen it happen and do very well, but it's like you need to have moments where you can be like, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Like, is this person respecting you? Is this what I need? Are you having fun? Like, are you learning? Are you growing? You know? Yeah. And make the breakup more about you ending that relationship rather than you getting into another relationship. Yes. That's that's the whole thing is this needs to be the end of this relationship that you are currently in, not anything to do with this other relationship at work. And that needs to be yeah. made very clear that this relationship that you're in is not working and not serving you. And it's kind of come to an end, which is completely okay. That's what I think fucked me up. Even though I wasn't meant to be with that person, I made it about more so in my heart, leaving him for the other when that really wasn't what was happening. But like I, that comforted me at the moment and it really was not because then I ended up not being with that other person. So two people were really, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. just, then it confuses yourself. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? So yeah. just being very, yeah, I agree. My dude at work literally never gave me the time. <laughs> He's like, what's your name? No, honestly. <laughs> like would, like honestly, he would like sign an email like, I don't even know. With He wouldn't even give me a smiley. Warmly Ken. Like, honestly, yes. He would be like, THX, like, thanks in every email. Like, I wouldn't even say warmly. Like, the and you're most, like, God, 
You're so hot. It's like, maybe someday. I know, honestly, I was like, oh my God, he's such a, I was like, he's so like checked out. It's like so hot. Like he hates everything. It's like so cool. <laughs> Truly. And the last thing I will say about this is um, I would be careful. And I would remember that people have relationships with people that they work very successfully. I, I, you know, I have really good friends that are dating people that they've worked with and that have been their bosses. But also take into mind that if this doesn't work, that it may provide an awkward environment for you to work in and could really change things up in your career at whatever company you have. So, you know, not saying to keep you away from that, but just keep that in mind, you know, whenever you're doing what you're doing and take it very slow and, you know, don't have the expectation that this person is going to meet you once you break up with them and you're going to want to be together. Because to be honest, it could be, you know, you'll know, but this guy could just be interested in you because of the chase. And I'm not saying that's the case, but it could be. So I would just be very delicate with your heart. Trust your friends. Trust the people that you are already around um, with your conversations and with your feelings. I wouldn't really trust someone like that with, you know, your heart right now when you're going through a breakup. Uh, But that's what I will say. It's a really good piece of advice. Good luck. Peace and love. Send some nudes. <laughs> Honestly, always make me feel better. I know. <laughs> Go into the back room and um, scan your butt. <laughs> oh, man. How do we intro our guest for today? I know. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, she's our friend, so I'm sure she'll understand. <laughs> oh, man. My girl. <laughs> Truly, Denny. madly, deeply, this is the this is a fucking amazing interview. Yo. Truly madly So deeply. proud of her. Not that I was surprised, but it's just like, yeah. damn, like to be proud of your friend. I'm like, Every time I'm with her, I'm like, you need to understand how amazing you are. And she does. Yeah. But, you know, Daniela Kende is a uh, holistic nutritionist. She is a coach. And she is just a complete expert in the birth, natural birthing process in a natural mm, yeah. uh, pregnancy, in a healthy pregnancy, in a healthy birth, pre in a healthy, and postpartum, yeah. like just really holding. So this is for your, the mamas. The mamas out there. And I talked to the Almost 30 Mamas group yes. and they were so excited that we would be having more content for them. And this is just really good for anyone. You know, I think like we all have friends who are moms. And also if we're maybe wanting to be moms one day, Daniela just is, it's so digestible. She's so smart. And, you know, it's, it can be a very overwhelming thing. I even get overwhelmed thinking about it. And I'm, you know, not even close to that, but just thinking about like growing a human being inside of me and all of the things that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. And how we can really empower ourselves in everything that we do, um, not only nutrition, but stress levels and activity and, you know, mental preparation for the birthing process. She she had a completely natural birth. What up? I know. Huh? No shit. And this is, again, you know, so right now the conversation around birth and, you know, pregnancy, nutrition, and post-pregnancy, like postpartum nutrition is happening. But we just want to be, you know, up to date. We want to provide alternative options or, you know, what this woman did that really worked for her and her baby that really felt really good and aligned with her and is something that I look to as, you know, and like, um, I'm gonna, I look to her as like a mentor to yeah. me, but yeah. just providing an example for how to really be in tune with your body, your spirit, your family, uh, your future baby. And even if you aren't pregnant or going to have kids, I think the information regarding health and wellness uh, for for any mothers or any women in general is really, really important. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Um, she is at Daniela Kendi on Instagram, DanielaKendi.com. And I just, she is such a resource. Yeah. So please take advantage. So you can work with her on a coaching basis. She's an amazing life coach, nutritionist. Um, I've worked with her a little bit and everything that she said has impacted me deeply. And she's also really an expert with mothers, with mothers-to-be. Uh, so I would definitely reach out to her if you are looking for someone in that space. She will be an amazing resource. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As always, uh, share this with your friends, family, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It really helps us a lot. Subscribing, make sure that every new episode is just in that little inbox ready for you every Tuesday and Thursday. And please join the secret Facebook group. We are talking in there about anything and everything, supporting, loving, funny conversations, and also a place we look to for like future topics and conversations and guests. So please feel free to give us that feedback and we will be sure to employ it in the show. Yeah. And I'm trying to get 2,000 reviews. Trying to hey, get that yeah, 2K. man. Come on. We need like 100 more. I'm trying to get that 2K fam. Come on. So write a review, email <laughs> us and say 2K fam. 2K fam. And I'll send you something. 2K fam. 2K fam. For real, fam. I'll send you something if you write a review and email us and yes. say 2K fam. Yes. I'm down. I'll find you something great. Our yeah. sponsors will support that. Truly. And then come join us in Austin on March 26th, we're having an event with Rachel Rosen at the refinery, which is gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. So we will have snacks, beverages, goodie bags from our amazing sponsors, and you will be able to meet tons of other amazing women in your community. And then we'll also be at the Good Fest Austin. So we'd love to see you at the Good Fest. You can use the code ALMOST30 for a discount off of your tickets. Cannot wait. All right. Enjoy this episode. Daniela Kende is in the house. Yeah, our sweet, hey. sweet angel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're so welcome. much has happened here. since you've been with us. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, is that two years ago? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Maybe. Wow. At least you were two. So early, and she is a dear friend of ours. And in the past, so it's been a year since she had her angel Eliza, mm-hmm. who is the sweetest, cutest little cutest. <laughs> smile is too much. <laughs> and then, you know, nine months from then you got pregnant, right? Or you know, oh, no, yeah. or longer. There's a, longer. whatever the timeline is. Yeah. You were pregnant. Yeah. You told us you were pregnant <laughs> and throughout your pregnancy and having Eliza, it's just been so amazing for me to watch. You know, you grow into yeah. this loving, conscious parent that like is a role model for me, you know, in the way that you are managing Eliza with your life, with your health, with your relationship with Pete, your sweet husband. And I really, you know, this entire time have been following your journey and wanted to share a lot of the practices that you've been using as far as health, wellness, nutrition to raise this beautiful angel baby. Yeah. And I think too, like just what you had expected. I think a lot of women, you know, in our community are only going off of what they read Mm -hmm. in the media or what their friends are telling them. So to have your perspective on what you thought it was going to be like, how you prepared and like where your deepest learnings were, you know, I'm sure will help a lot of people. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, Thanks for having me back. We haven't talked about pregnancy or motherhood Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. It's something that you know, I was just thinking about when you were saying that is that going into pregnancy, you know, first of all, when I got pregnant, uh, it was in April 2017. Yeah. And about 
less than a month before that, I had set that intention of being open to pregnancy. We weren't trying yet. So it was a surprise. Eliza was a surprise. (laughs) And it was probably only a few months before we would have tried to, you know, more actively try. But it made me realize that you go from so actively trying to prevent pregnancy. It's like all we talk about, right? Through our 20s, through our teens, preventing, preventing. You think like if you breathe too close to somebody, you might get pregnant. And then you find yourself pregnant. And especially within the wellness world out here, my first concern was, oh crap, what herbs, what supplements, what vitamins, what am I taking that I shouldn't be taking? Like it was almost like, do I have to get less healthy? What's safe? What's not? There was a lot of, I wasn't, I mean, it's embarrassing to admit because I'm a nutritionist, but I wasn't even taking a prenatal yet. And it was fine, you know, because so much of what your prenatal gives you, you can be getting at least some of it from food. But yeah, it was just a wild journey to go into it thinking I knew a lot about health, nutrition, and then feeling like this changes everything. What what do I do now? And And some of it was totally different. Some of it really was the same, but it's, yeah. It's cool to be on the other side. And there's so much now that I'm excited to be sharing and supporting girls who are transitioning from preventing to welcoming and the potential Mm. of being pregnant to wanting to be moms right away, whatever stage you're at. I think there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. And that's, that's, I guess, talking to you too. Like, I didn't know how much there was to think about, you know, and this isn't meant to like overwhelm anyone or, you know, freak anyone out. And this is just to provide like a very open perspective of like a wellness focused view of pregnancy. But I just didn't know like so much had to change about nutrition. And thinking about supplements, I would have never thought about supplements. Mm. I would have never thought about like what I would have to eat post-pregnancy. And like, even this is a very small thing, but I remember you talking about when you went into labor, you had like a green smoothie on deck. Yeah. Like you had made one impact. <laughs> yeah. Like there's just like little tips and things that you did that I was like, wow, like to know that information would be so helpful. And it's not knowing it as a pressure to do this. And this is what makes you well, but it's like little things. And what we've talked about before mm-hmm. we even got on was like, just thinking about it. Like you said, like you need to plan and it's not like you need to figure it out later because when you have a kid, you can't really do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you you put it off and still there's things that, you know, I'm learning as I go. We Mm -hmm. all do. You still figure it out. But the more you can plan going into it, yeah, like during pregnancy, uh, the unfortunate thing is there's so many amazing herbs and supplements out there that all we see is don't have it if you're pregnant. You know, you look at all your favorite herbs, green powders, all of that stuff, and everything says if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, talk to your doctor. And so you're left, if you're already on the health food kind of side of things, wondering, um, like I was taking, I was putting maca in my smoothies before I got pregnant. And then afterwards I was wondering like, is this safe? And there's just so much that's not known because nobody's funding studies on maca and on, you know, ashwagandha and all of the amazing adaptogenic herbs. And so there, it really comes down to what feels right. There are people who play it very safe and there are people who are much more liberal about it. And, you know, in Peru where maca is founded, uh, people take it throughout pregnancy. And so it's it's one of those things that you have to learn as much as you can, but then just feel it out for your body. And I mean, the kind of theme through my whole pregnancy was learning to listen to my body, learning to trust where I was. Um, the first week after finding out, I was like, okay, I have to 
make sure I'm getting all the B vitamins because early on in pregnancy is when all the neural tube is developing in the baby and you need to have enough folate. You need to have all the Bs, all the you know iron, everything. I mean, everything's important all the time. But I went on this kick of like meal planning, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, like cooking, like the perfect. It was like, okay, chickpeas and sweet potatoes. And then I'm going to pair my greens with my vitamin C rich uh, red bell peppers. So I absorb as much, you know, like, so seven days in, I'm like being crazy wow. lady about it. <laughs> and Pete gets home and I'm just like, I need pizza. <laughs> like, you're just finding that balance. And so we yeah. go to Fresh Brothers and I eat like twice as much as he did, like for the first time with mm-hmm. pizza. It was just, just a funny moment of being like, you know, yes, you want to do as much as you can, but not go crazy. Like right. you said, you know, the whole idea is to try and not stress yourself out um, because there's already a lot of stress. Something I've focused on lately is working with uh, more clients who are pregnant because I felt in your first trimester, it's this weird time that you're not really telling anybody yet. And I actually regret not telling people sooner. It was this... What did you tell people? I told people once I was like 12 weeks along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mostly it was because I was going to see my parents in person at 10 weeks and I waited to tell them mm-hmm. until then. But to go through three months of your life knowing you're pregnant and feeling really different, especially if you're having morning sickness, if you're tired. I mean, I was exhausted. I wasn't nauseous, thankfully, but I was so tired all the time. And just to pretend that everything's the same, it's not great. You know, you don't, if you're trying to practice living in an authentic, open way, it makes you feel like disconnected. Wow. So I understand why people wait to share, uh, but I do wish that was one thing that as a society we shared sooner. I wish that when miscarriages happen, we were more open about it. Uh, One in four pregnancies and in miscarriage, yeah, nobody talked about it. I saw something the other day where someone was like talking about they're pregnant and they said it a little bit earlier. It was like Mm -hmm. six or seven weeks. And they're like, I'm going to be honest and open with people because even if I get a miscarriage, I'm going to need support. Right. So they're like, Mm -hmm. if I'm pregnant and I'm I'm lucky enough to have it go 12 weeks to full term, I want people to be a part of it. And I want people to be a part of it if something wants to happen. Yeah. And there's the other pressure. A lot of people are at jobs where they want to keep it secret as long as possible, which is so unfortunate and another conversation for another day. But yeah, being able to work with people who are newly pregnant has been really nice because you find yourself in the position of, okay, now I'm pregnant. Maybe I've been trying for a while. It happened. Now what? And so starting with like the morning sickness and the nausea, uh, just just nausea. It's not morning sickness because it's all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I I thought going into pregnancy was just in the mornings, but it's any time depending on your body. Uh, a lot of the times, you can do things. I mean, pregnancy prep actually starts before you're pregnant. So if we talk you, about that, yeah, if you're eating clean, if you're getting enough healthy fats and protein in your diet, and uh, the phytonutrients from veggies and fruits, like. Thankfully, thankfully, I didn't experience too much sickness. And I do think a big part of that, you know, some of it is genetics, but I do think a part of that was healthy lifestyle going into it. Um, so what's happening when you are experiencing the morning sickness or the all day sickness? Like is yeah. your body kind of lacking certain well, nutrients? Your hormones are changing rapidly. So progesterone is really uh, gone up in those early stages mm-hmm. of pregnancy and high progesterone can cause sickness, um, can cause that, yeah, the, your 
like hunger levels change. You're just really sensitive. Yeah. Estrogen and progesterone are both changing. Okay. You also have uh, HCG, which is uh, another pregnancy hormone. That's what is like going up quickly. So your body's just kind of in like freak out mode a little bit of like, okay, everything's changing. We need to uh, support this new life. Your immune system actually is depleted, depressed a bit when you're pregnant. Um, because if your immune functioning were all the way high, it might get rid of the baby. So, you know, staying healthy and taking care of yourself is more important than ever. You know, I I think the common thing we see in movies and I've seen this with friends is, okay, I'm pregnant. So it's it's an excuse to eat whatever, do whatever. If you come from a place of being really restrictive with yourself, like calorically or just diet-wise going into pregnancy, sometimes finally for a lot of women, that's the first time that they feel permission to indulge their cravings. Unfortunately. Uh, when you're pregnant, especially early on, your blood pressure and your blood sugar can be, you know, even more ups and downs. So a lot of people, you know, you get low blood sugar, you want to eat more sweets, and then that leads to a bigger crash. And so the pregnancy binges that happen actually make sickness worse. So it's mm. it's just this tr- tricky time where you don't want to, as much as possible, just give in to whatever cravings you have or instead of thinking of that way, like think about what the craving is and then upgrade it, you know, instead of having, because uh, some people, if you're really sick, uh, instead of just having white bagels or toast, think about like, okay, can I have oatmeal or can I tolerate a really plain smoothie or can I tolerate, you know, right. like always trying to challenge yourself and your body and give your body what you know it needs, even if you don't feel great because just having the the bagel, for example, will then unfortunately kind of feed that cycle and make your blood sugar plummet more. And then it's the same thing as when you're not pregnant, but it's just heightened a bit. Does that put any, sorry, but just about the morning sickness thing, like, does that put any stress on the baby? Like the way the body is? Not that I know of. Yeah. I've talked to, I mean, I had a client who was really terribly, terribly sick. And Mm. if you get to that point, you do need to talk to your doctor and there's prescription medication that can help that. Um, In, but yeah, there's, not that I'm aware of that there's actually an effect on the baby, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, there are things that we can do. Like, um, for example, B vitamins can actually help uh, with your morning sickness, with nausea. So taking a really good prenatal, a lot of prenatal vitamins that you just get over the, you know, over the counter aren't necessarily in the best form that's a digestible and absorbable by the body. Uh, I love Designs for Health. They have this great prenatal pro packets. So I was taking, you know, a good vitamin blend, but also mineral support, this osteo, uh, like it was a magnesium calcium blend. Um, I was taking a good fish oil. I think that's really helpful. You could take a vegan version of that too. Um, and there's one more, oh, vitamin D and probiotics. Um, all of those things, I think supplemental support, especially if you're not feeling like having a perfect diet, supplements can be really helpful. So there's big differences if you look, you know, like without going deep down the supplement rabbit hole, I'm not an expert in all of the supplements, but uh, for example, folic acid versus folate. So folic acid you see in a lot of prenatals, it's the man-made form of the vitamin B folate. Folate is the food form, food version, and it's way more absorbable by the body. And so you can be taking tons of folic acid and it's not really doing anything for you. So I always say like, look for the, like Garden of Life is a brand that makes the food-based prenatals. Look for, you know, 
everything that comes closer from the source of food than man-made is going to usually be better. You can start there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Silver fern has a good whole food yeah. vitamin too Yeah, that I actually take now, but it's not prenatal, but I take it now. For as far as like calories, like I think a lot of people, you know, when you mentioned mm-hmm. how much more people should be eating, yeah. is there, you know, uh, and you don't go by calories. That's not something that's part of your practice, but I guess I want to talk about, you know, how much more people should be consuming during the different stages of pregnancy. Yeah. And like what kind of that looks like. So people can use it, not calories, but food or should they just listen to their body or how exactly should that go as far as like consuming more throughout pregnancy? Yeah. Great question. I mean, unfortunately, we're not really eating for two. (laughs) That's always the saying you're eating for two. And so it's not about eating twice as much. I think I always start with asking yourself, am I eating this from a physical need or an emotional need? Um, Because during pregnancy, emotions are running wild. And so you could find yourself, you know, binging on something you normally wouldn't uh, and just saying, well, I need the calories. It's really important to just, it's really easy to buy into that. So instead, it's basically eating what you normally eat, maybe an extra few hundred calories a day, which isn't a lot. You know, that could be Mm -hmm. two handfuls of nuts. At the same time, though, if you're really hungry, listen to your body. Yeah. And fill your body. I think of it as like, now you're not only eating for you, you are eating for some another human's development. And to me, that was inspiring because that inspired me to not, you know, reach for something that I know isn't clean. Yeah. You know, when it's just you, you can be like, all right, maybe I don't care about my body so much today and I'm going to eat this crappy thing. But now you have this responsibility and it's like, oh, how exciting and overwhelming at times, but exciting that I get to help build this person's genetic code. I get to help literally their eyeball. I think about like Eliza's eyeballs were made from my organs somehow. Like how, how does this happen? Mm -hmm. It's crazy. And baby will always even if mother's nutrition is pretty poor, baby can do pretty well. Because of that, you can get depleted really easily in magnesium, calcium, because baby is literally pulling from all of your stores to build a body. So it's so important to go above and beyond and eat. You know, it doesn't, if smoothies are a total turnoff, then have soups. Or if, you know, salads don't sound good, have cooked vegetables or have other, you know, so it's, not about having to have a pres- prescribed specific diet mm-hmm. as much as it is looking at the quality. So I'll talk to clients who are like, I have such crazy ice cream cravings. I'm like, okay, let's look at what the ingredients are. You know, look at uh, getting an ice cream that has three ingredients. Like just start with everything you eat, make it clean. Forget about, you know, having anything diet, anything that, you know, has artificial anything in it. I just say, start there. Don't worry about how many calories you're having. Just keep it really clean. Listen to your body. If you're still hungry, great. But just ask yourself, am I eating because I'm still hungry or am I anxious? Right. And that's where when I work with somebody, especially in their first trimester, to try and start then with setting up, this is all stuff you guys talk about all the time, but setting up ways to manage anxiety, to relieve all the stress. Because even if you don't feel like you're stressed, there's a lot that's like approaching in the next year of your life. So you're always going to be carrying that like, oh gosh, I have so much preparation I want to do. I I am going to somehow birth a child. Like there's just, it's all there all the time. So for me, it was, you know, getting into a 
routine of doing a lot of prenatal yoga. That's how I met our doula, who was amazing. And I'm so, so happy we worked with one. Yeah, I was paying just as much attention to the lifestyle stuff as the diet. Yeah, I wanted to talk about, I just wrote down your doula. So what is a doula and why did you, you know, bring one on to help through pregnancy? So a doula is a birth support partner. Um, I forget what the word actually means historically in Latin, I believe, but it is a birthing expert who can be there by your side to support you through the process. So they're not a midwife. A lot of the times I know people think midwives are doulas or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So midwives are trained to actually birth your child to be there as the doctor. Doula is there to support. So we decided, I, I had heard limited things about doulas. You know, I didn't grow up in an environment where I ever had heard the word before. I was taking prenatal note yoga and the instructor of the class I was going to is a doula, amazing doula who's delivered or helped deliver hundreds of babies. So when I met with her, I just realized like, wow, to have the support would not just be critical for me. So they, they basically come, I'll back up. So they come to your house when most doulas, when you're in labor, as labor starts, they're with you through all of early labor. And depending on where you're decided to have the baby, they will go to the hospital with you or be home. If you're having a home birth, whatever it is, they'll be with you the whole time. You'll also work with them in most cases leading up to your labor. Uh, We did a birth prep course where we went through how we wanted our birth to look like. Um, Think of uh, the best word to me as an advocate. So it's like having this amazing advocate who knows exactly what you desire in your heart of hearts for your birth. And they are there to help make it a reality. And doctors more and more, they really do like having doulas around because they're just another support person who knows what the patient wants. And when you're in labor and you've been having contractions and you're not necessarily like sitting in your same conscious mind, it's very hard to uh, stand up for yourself in that way. And I think it's hard to put that all on your um, partner or husband. So at first, I remember my husband being like kind of threatened by the idea of bringing a doula in because he's like, well, that's why you have me. Like, but you have no idea what this is going to be like either. Mm. You've never helped somebody have a baby. You've never. And I think he came to realize that. And the doula, our doula, Kea, was even, I'd say, as much or more helpful for him as she was for me. Oh, in what way? Physically, if you're in labor for 12 to 24 hours, you are leaning on somebody, hanging on somebody. I mean, it's a lot for one person to support you through. So she came over. I had been in labor for maybe four or five hours already. She came over and she brings like peppermint oil and a scarf thing. And she's doing all this stuff like for my body. She's massaging me. She's And my husband finally like gets to take a break, you know? And so there's that. And then there's just the confidence that they have that we didn't have. I thought, you know, I, I basically wanted to have the feeling of a home birth, but actually go to the hospital for the birth itself. We were working with the midwives at UCLA. So I wanted to labor totally at home. I wanted to be completely unmedicated. I just really, I, we can talk more about this. I had like read a lot about just like trusting in the power of the female body to do this on its own. And I was terrified, but like determined to do it as long as it was safe for me. And it turned out to be. And so she came over, we think, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. And she's like, no, you have some more work to do. And she's just like super calm, but like, we can stay here. We end up like five more hours at home. 
my water hadn't broken yet. You know, it's all these things that we end up staying at home for five more hours and I get to the hospital and it's time to push pretty much. Wow. And I think knowing me, if I had been at the hospital five hours earlier, it would be discouraging. I wouldn't have been as far along. I would have been more likely to say like, fuck it, let's just have an epidural. You know, you're just, and that's fine if that's what you want. Like there's no zero shaming like towards different birth plans. I just want to put that out there, different approaches. But a doula is amazing for standing by your side and like being your soul outside of you to say mm. like, yeah, I'm here for you. I know what you want because you've told me mm. and we're going to do this together. I love that. That is like such a beautiful thing to think about, you know, because I could imagine if, you know, I was in labor and Justin was with me, if I'm like wanting to have a natural birth without an epidural and then all of a sudden I'm like, have a weak moment. I'm like, no, no epidural. Justin's like, get her an epidural, you know, because totally. he listens to every thing that I say. So yeah you know, to have like a woman there to be like, let's just try a little bit longer, mm-hmm. you know, like to kind of be that mm-hmm. is like such a beautiful, yeah. Beautiful and if thing. Justin told you like, just try a little longer, you Honey. would probably kill me. <laughs> I tell him every day, I'm like, I wish you could carry the baby. Totally. I, said, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I want to carry, I'm excited. I, I want to talk about the natural birth, but first the, just finishing kind of going through the trimesters and how you were preparing differently each trimester and what women should be aware of both for diet, mental and emotional, and just how your body's changing and how you can really like, you know, feel the best in your new body. Yeah. Yeah. First trimester, I think it's about the mental and physical combination. Like we were talking about really learning about supplements. So if you're not currently taking a really good prenatal, like that's going to help, especially I meant to mention before vitamin B9 is great for morning sickness, for nausea. So you can actually take extra B9, consult with your doctor, but that is something that um, I know has helped several clients of mine, friends of mine. It's about getting all those vitamins that are going to support the early neural development of the baby. It's also about upgrading your carbohydrates so that you can be eating the carbs that you might need for energy because it's common to be super tired. When you're tired, you're going to crave carbs. That's okay. My perspective is don't try and fight that, but just Mm -hmm. be smart about it. So I was doing... I went from having smoothies to having oatmeal on most mornings because it was comforting emotionally and it gave me the complex carbohydrates that I felt I needed just to like push through the day and still adding healthy fats like almond butters and protein to my oatmeal. But I think it's okay to switch off of what you were doing before if that doesn't feel right for your body. Second trimester, I had this expectation. Everyone said, second trimester, you feel amazing. It's amazing. It's great. And you're glowing. And I remember getting to second trimester, be like, all right, here we go. And I still kind of felt shitty and was Mm. tired and so I think it's so it's it's important to not have too many of those expectations because there's so many you you start googling and you just get a million different opinions of like what pregnancy should be like right. is going to be like. So being kind to yourself if you don't feel better yet, that's okay. Being patient, taking care of yourself. I mean, that was a nice time for us to travel and take a little baby moon cuz you're you're a little more comfortable with the whole idea, but you're not uncomfortably third trimester yet. I think at that point, it's really just staying with the the usual routine. You know, it's uh, maybe you don't feel sick anymore. So you can start bringing things back in. I think it's important to note like the oatmeal habit, for example, let's say three months in, I was kind of like, okay, maybe I'm now ready to try having my smoothies again. Maybe I'm now ready 
you know, just because you give something up because you felt sick for a few weeks or a few months doesn't mean that you won't be able to have that throughout pregnancy. And like I know some clients I've worked with can't tolerate any animal protein in their first trimester. If it doesn't mean that later on you won't be able to, if that's something that you're open to. And on that note, keeping proteins, you have enough going on hormonally. So as always, but especially when pregnant, uh, for animal proteins to really try to choose only grass-fed, organic, high-quality, wild-caught fish, that's really, really important, I believe. Because uh, of the hormones. Yes. Yeah, because of the hormones, because of the chemicals that you get and everything else in factory-farmed meats. Um, and then with fish too, I think wild fish sardines, which might sound revolting to people in their first trimester who are feeling sick, but that was actually one of my staple foods, like mm. wild planet canned wild sardines. I would have that with some like, you know, like, uh, what are they called? Like the Jill's crackers or the toast, whatever it was, because you get all those omega threes that are so great for brain development for the baby. So there's so much that you can continue to do, like that you're already probably doing diet wise. No, um, not eating maybe not. And gels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Try, I'm smiling at you, but you nasty. With I know that. you're not going to. <laughs> I know, literally. You also feed Eliza your sardines. Oh, she is. She loves yeah, them. She will eat them by the handful. Yeah, in bones and all. I love her. She's a little carnivore. So <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, she'll pick out all her vegetables first before she eats her animal protein. She's really? Cute. Yeah, she'll oh. eat them all first. Yeah. Oh. She's so, uh-huh. so good already. Well, I turned my whole family on to a new way of decorating our living space. And it is simple, Scandinavian, beautifully designed and modern. It is article, article.com slash almost 30. We are obsessed with their furniture. Uh, they eliminate the layers of traditional retail. Um, they keep prices low and quality super high. So there's no showrooms, no salespeople, just savings. And what's awesome is that when I ordered, recently I ordered a bookshelf, a coffee table, and four chairs for our studio table. And they delivered it and put everything together. They were so helpful, so kind. And it's just shipped at a flat rate of $49. Cannot beat it. So we'd love for you to check out Article. Go to article.com slash almost 30 and you'll get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So again, article.com slash almost 30 to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Home nutrition, baby. I mean, never fails us. Never truly. fails. I always get so excited. I have this like weird thing in my cabinet <laughs> and home nutrition actually makes it even more beautiful when I line up my the rainbow, my regimen yeah. of, of vitamin supplements. And there's just something about it. I am understanding through their education. They're really good about educating why things are in their products, the herbs and whatnot, and how it can really help you to manage, say for me, the moody bird, you know, really helps me when I am on my period, helps manage those symptoms because we really shouldn't be feeling those symptoms. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just really proud to have them as the sponsor. Their ingredients um, we trust and so many people in our community are on the hum nutrition train and loving it. 
Yeah. So don't let the bright labels and beautiful branding fool you. A lot of what they have inside the products are natural, are Chinese herbs, are things like blue-green algae or chlorella or beetroot or red clover or dandelion root. They have tons of natural like ingredients in everything they do. And that's why I love them so much. I didn't know that when I first started taking the products mm-hmm. that everything was basically vegan, physician tested and amazing. Yeah, really love them. So humnutrition.com and you could take a little quiz. It'll give you some recommendations on what you might want to get, you know, for your first purchase. And there's also, you know, certified nutritionists there to help you uh, navigate. And you can use our code almost 30 for 15% off. So that's humnutrition.com code almost 30 for 15% off. Yeah, later in pregnancy, this is when iron needs. So I did become anemic during pregnancy, which at first I was judgmental and discouraged because being a nutrition, I thought, well, I should have prevented this. Oh my God. It can be really hard to prevent. So your blood volume is like almost doubling when you're pregnancy, when you're pregnant. Really? So your iron needs skyrocket. Pregnancy anemia is very common. So I did increase iron through my diet, but I also supplemented. And that's one of those things like it's okay to have to supplement. And I I opted for a food-based, like really gentle iron, liquid iron iron that I took. Um, and that really helped. But when you're anemic on top of pregnancy, on top of being, you know, seven months pregnant, it's just exhausting because you have no energy. And that was really challenging. Um, so I did do the iron supplement, but increasing regardless, even if you don't test to be anemic, increasing iron. So whether from vegan sources, that could be beans and lots of dark leafy greens. Uh, It's really important to pair those with vitamin C that increases iron absorption. So foods like bell peppers, strawberries, uh, citrus, that will make a big difference. Also avoiding calcium. These were things I didn't really know going into pregnancy like that, or I didn't think about that often because I didn't need to calcium blocks iron absorption. So when people have a calcium rich, let's say you have dairy or anything that's high in calcium with iron, you're going to kind of work against the what you know what you really need, which is to absorb the maximum amount. Even having a little bit of animal, it's called heme iron. There's heme and non-heme iron. So our bodies absorb heme iron way more efficiently. So that means it is harder to get the iron we need from non-heme, from plant, pro- from plant protein sources not impossible. Even if you just have a little bit of animal protein with your plant proteins, you can increase that absorption. So yeah, getting into eating a lot of iron-rich foods, supporting your body's needs there, getting more protein every day. I was having double protein smoothies later in pregnancy. Um, I found, yeah, I still use my plant protein powder uh, throughout pregnancy. So there's so many good ones. You guys have talked about different ones. I would do a morning smoothie on some days. Um, and then another one in the afternoon where I would just do another 20 grams of protein with healthy fats. I would do spoonfuls of almond butter all the time. You know, it was basically that's where the calorie needs do go up because there's a lot of growth happening and your body's just doing a lot Mm -hmm. in those last few months. A lot of food prep was happening for me too. At that point, you get into this nesting stage where you just want, you know, we've all heard about it. You want everything to be ready for the baby. I think one of the best things you can do, and this is something I've 
been doing lately with uh, my pregnant clients is do cooking sessions with them. And we make a ton of freezer meals. We'll make everything from like soups to meatballs, uh, bone broths, anything. I mean, anything that freezes well, basically. Uh, and, and set yourself up. It's a really nice time to tap into that nesting tendency to prepare for good self-care postpartum. Um, there's a great book called The First 40 Days that's all about first 40 days postpartum and healing foods and how ancient cultures would really honor the mother at this time. And you, as a new mom, you wouldn't lift a finger. Everyone would take care of you as a community and how we've kind of lost that, but there's different things you can do to try and embrace that again. And for, I guess, as far as the adaptogens, did you cut them? Did you not do them? Or what, what did you decide to do there? I did mostly cut them. Okay. I just felt like there was not enough known for yeah. me to continue. There were some products that had maca in them. Um, like I used some of uh, Sophie's products still. Mm-hmm. The, um, philosophy, philosophy. Mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has maca. And I remember like talking to her about it briefly and just mm-hmm. being like, yeah, you know what? I feel fine about these. Mm-hmm. It's such a personal decision. And I, it's my hope that more research is done <laughs> to show that these herbs are safe. But there are definitely some, like, um, I believe, I'm trying to remember now, my memory is wiped since having a baby, but <laughs> I believe ashwagandha can cause contractions. So you want to really do want to be careful of anything that can cause contractions in the, in the uterus early on, because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously don't want that. So I, I played it safe and just leaned into more food sources um, things like spirulina and chlorella were awesome sources of minerals from a plant perspective. I added chlorella to my smoothies all the time. And then immune support, especially like I was traveling a, a bunch while pregnant and really nervous about getting sick. Um, so astragalus is an herb that's safe during pregnancy. I would take that every time I was traveling. Um, I would take my probiotic, which helps with your immune system, my vitamin C. I would take uh, take echinacea. So there's still a lot that is safe that we know about, that we know enough about. So um, I wish the adaptogens that more was known, but I just decided to hold off. Was there anything you definitely had to stay away from during pregnancy besides the obvious? Yeah. It's meth. Besides <laughs> meth. Yeah. No, all other drugs were good. <laughs> Lots of Molly. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I generally avoided sushi, mm-hmm. um, though there's this book called Expecting Better that I think is awesome. It's written by an economist. And she basically, when she was pregnant, realized that every doctor would tell her something else. Like, how much caffeine can I have? How much alcohol? Can I have sushi? Can I have soft cheeses? Can I, you know, all that stuff. And she compiled all the studies that are out there. And she basically showed like what's actually dangerous and what's maybe not as dangerous as we think. Thought that was really interesting. I ate sushi once or twice uh, from good places because I felt okay about it from what I had studied. I was really careful about actually unwashed raw vegetables mm, um, wow, because wow. I'm such a like green juice lover. I I decided to just be really careful about that because listeria, which is the most harmful of the bacteria that we could get through food poisoning, is really prevalent. Um, unwashed raw veggies that have sat out too long. I stayed away from deli meats, which I kind of stay away from anyway. Um, so that wasn't too hard. But like if I would go to a juice bar 
or juices that were already bottled and sitting on the shelf, cold pressed that I used to love. I just, um, I was careful about that. I went for more cooked foods overall, which on the one hand, I missed my raw foods um, or I would get a juice fresh, fresh pressed with organic veggies that I felt good about. But yeah, I, I tried to avoid all of the things that your doctor will tell you, the smoked fish and the package. It's, it's anything that's pre-packaged that has a chance of developing foodborne bacteria. So, you know, it's a lot of it is common sense. Um, I also didn't go crazy. At first, I was nervous about everything. So when I found out we were headed to Ojai for my birthday and we had scheduled a wine tasting and horseback riding and deep tissue massages. <laughs> all the things. All the things. For... And I found out that morning and I was like, oh no. So, you know, canceled everything. Probably would have been fine getting a massage, but I was, you know, so paranoid. Um, And so then instead we're walking through town and we see this um, cute little like honey shop and they did a honey tasting. And I was like, great, I can't do wine tasting. We'll do honey tasting. (laughs) I did it. Felt so sick afterwards because it's just all sugar. You know, you're tasting like 12 different honeys. I had a big blood sugar crash. And then I start like Googling about honey and it's saying like, don't eat honey while pregnant. I'm just like, it's one of those, like <laughs> you can so easily become overwhelmed and feel like you can't do anything or eat anything. I think it's important to remember that people have been pregnant for, was it millions of years? How many years? <laughs> How far like back? Like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So like, yeah, try and, try and just trust yourself a little more. Like if you have any hesitation about something, don't do it. If you feel like something's okay, like, you know, maybe research a little bit, but don't drive yourself crazy researching because it can be just too limiting. So that's everything that you did, you know, like health wise. So what, I guess this is what I wanted to ask the last question about when you were pregnant, besides um, prenatal yoga and um, enlisting the help of a doula, was there any other lifestyle things that you incorporated? Yeah, definitely reading. Uh, There's a lot of amazing reading out there, but in particular, preparing mentally, just like upping my mental game and confidence in myself. I was never um, an endurance athlete. I was never really a serious athlete at all growing up. And so I always had this fear that because of that, I wouldn't be able to go through pregnancy and natural childbirth, that I couldn't do it because I couldn't run a marathon or something. Like I had connected those two things. So reading, there's this classic book, Ina May's uh, Guide to Natural Childbirth that I read. And this amazing midwife who had a um, whole community in the 70s of like women giving birth naturally in Tennessee, I think, or Kentucky on a farm. This is very cool like history there. And for me, reading these stories about other women's experiences, reading, um, kind of really leaning into like the female empowerment was very helpful. Um, I realized my mental state needed as much work as my physical state. I also read about like hypnobirthing. That was a really cool book. I started in my last trimester taking a lot of Epsom salt baths. I had a lot of joint inflammation. Pretty much anything you have pre-pregnancy could flare up during pregnancy. So old injuries would come up. I think some of it was physical. Some of it was emotional. Just really interesting to see what came up for me stress-wise. So I was taking almost nightly Epsom salt baths. I was journaling. I was listening to this hypnobirthing meditation track. So meditation was super helpful. Kind of taking radical responsibility for my own mental state. And instead of slipping down the like fear and I can't do this, 
daily affirmations of trying to build that up um, because it does. It takes time to shift out of the fear state that unfortunately we're surrounded by. You know, any birth we've seen on TV or film is filled with screams and like horror stories. So chaotic. Yeah. 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 And to move out of the chaos and, and think about birth as this peaceful, amazing thing that we can do um, and that we know how to do without a ton of intervention, ideally. So the day that you gave birth, or I don't know the timeline of it, but when you started to get contractions, can you kind of take us through like your like strategy there and like your mental game leading up to actually giving birth? Sure. So... I had had a false alarm the night before. So this would have been a Monday night. I woke up and started having these like bad period cramps. So like mild contractions every 10 minutes where, you know, I'd wake up like doubled over and then it would totally pass and go back to sleep. And that was for six hours overnight. And I'm like, is this happening? What's going on? We go to the doctor the next day and um, I decided not to do any internal checks. I just wanted to, because, you know, things can change really quickly anyway. So you know, they checked hard and everything was still good. So went home and that night around 6 p.m. again, started having these waves of cramps. Um, and I had, oh, it's, uh, this adds to what we were talking about before. Another thing I did was I was seeing this amazing um, prenatal chiropractor and craniosacral therapist. She was awesome. I actually saw her that day. So um, and she was able to, you know, feel kind of the position of the baby and help do some really cool pressure points that would both encourage labor to happen soon, but also just kind of open my hips up, open my body up in a good way. So getting that support was help. I also did, it's funny how you forget, and then I'm starting to remember, I did physical therapy throughout as well, like prenatal physical therapy twice a week for the last like two months because I had a lot of hip and pinched nerves and joint pain. So Anyway, so I know that was all helpful, very helpful leading into it. And so that evening, about 6 p.m., I'm feeling contractions. I text our doula, Kaya, and she said like, all right, you know, just relax. Um, get in the bath tonight and the bath might slow things down. If it does, then it was just another false alarm. If it doesn't, then let me know. <laughs> so I'm like trying to watch Parenthood on my laptop in the bathtub to just like distract. And I get through 10 minutes. I'm like, this is getting real. Like this is happening and contractions are happening more. And it's funny because you, I went through so much preparation mentally in terms of these are like, this is my mantra. This is it. And then in the moment, I don't remember actively using those, but I think they were cemented in my subconscious enough to give me the strength I needed. Does that make sense? Yes. Like it wasn't like, okay, and then I said these five things and then I looked at my notes. It wasn't that at all. It was kind of just like, all right, here we go. I don't know if this is the real thing. And, you know, over the course of from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m., contractions were then every three, four minutes. And by midnight, they were happening. It's like a, it's the thing is 411, like uh, every, every, I'm going to botch it. So I'm not even going to say it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like, I forget what it was. They were, you could they tell were happening us anything. Often. Yeah. yeah. We'd be like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like for an hour, lasting at least a minute, um, at least four minutes apart or something, or less than four minutes apart. Okay. Yes. That's what it was. Um, and yeah, just trying to, I used the like yoga ball, big yoga ball in the shower and had hot water on my back. So Eliza was, turned a bit sideways. So I was having a lot of back labor, which is when your back is just like spasming and cramping wow. terribly. Wow. Um, and that's where uh, just kind of 
going along for the ride, something I do remember saying multiple times throughout labor all night was, this too shall pass. And it's kind of my philosophy for all of life. In the hardest of moments, they're going to pass. The best of moments are going to pass. So it just basically forces me to stay present and just kind of surrender. So it was a lot of just surrendering and uh, trying to rest between contractions, trying to lean on my husband who was super helpful and amazing. I mean, I was literally hanging on his shoulders for hours um, every time I'd have a contraction. And then, yeah, I was terrified to go in the car to get to the hospital when it was finally time. My water had broken and there's so many things that are not talked about. Like I thought like, okay, your water breaks and that's it. No, like my water broke like six times over the course of three hours. Really? It just kept breaking, whatever that means. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So there's just a lot of these things that you don't really know about going into it. And that's another thing I'd love to help change by talking about it more. You know, like I'm, you know, without getting too gross, but like water breaks, I'm in the bathroom the first time, then I'm in the living room and there's like a puddle on the floor. Then we live in an apartment building. And so we're going to the elevator and there's like more water that's like gathering near the elevator. And I'm like doubled <laughs> over, like screaming practically. Maybe not screaming. That's not a right way. It's kind of like a deep grunt that was happening. <laughs> Visceral. I'm, like, I'm going to wake up the neighbors. Um, and we had to drive from Marina Del Rey to UCLA Westwood. And I remember telling my husband, like, you have to take all surface roads because we have to pull over every time I have a contraction. It's so uncomfortable in the car. And he and our doula look at each other. They're like, yeah, no, <laughs> we're going to get there on the freeway in 15 minutes, which we did and kind of like blacked out for some of that, I think. And the, the pushing part in the hospital then was about an hour to an hour and a half. And that was really hard because the contractions, you get to a point where you're just kind of delirious and it's like, you're just like riding this wave. But then when the pushing starts, you've kind of come to again. And I, at least for me, I felt super present and like, wow, this is really hard. And that was my one moment of being like starting to lose hope and saying things that were discouraging. I remember Mm -hmm. saying like, I don't think a baby's coming out. I think my intestines are falling out. Like I was serious. (laughs) I thought like, no, there's actually not a baby there. Like I was telling her. There hasn't been a baby the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'm just crapping myself. Because it it felt just like so... Oh yeah, it felt like your bottom is just being opened up and everything's going to come out. And I say that to the midwife. She's like, no, we can actually see the baby's hair. Like you're really close. And I was like, I don't believe you. (laughs) And I... (laughs) You know, you still, there's so much surrender that has to happen. It's crazy. It's such like an amazing representation for the rest of life. Because in that moment, I was, I was trying to fight it. I was, then I was trying to actively push, which they shouldn't even call it pushing because it's really more about just still riding the wave. Like you still have to wait for contractions to push. So I would like have a contraction and kind of bear down and then it goes away and the baby kind of like goes back up. And this goes on for, for some people, for it went on for me for an hour of like, okay, you're close. And then, nope, never mind. And then waiting another minute. And then, it, so it's this like ultimate lesson of patience. And then when it does come to be ready, um, I remember like getting into my throat at one point and kind of yelling from there and tensing my shoulders and our doula being like, no, that, that's a waste of your energy. Like drop it down, drop it down. Use your energy to breathe lower. And it was just, yeah, it was an amazing experience for me to stay not drugged at all and totally present, allowing me to experience the really painful parts and the really amazing parts after was just like, 
I don't know, it was for me, it was everything I needed to wow. be able to have more confidence in my abilities, to trust my strength that I didn't think I had. It was, yeah, it was wild. So all in all, I was um, in labor starting around 6 or 7 p.m. And then she came at 7.55 a.m. So about 12 hours or 13, 14 hours, which I think is what, you know, it's different for everybody. That was what it needed to be for me. And um it was it was a wild ride. I kind of forgot through pregnancy that it's going to end with a baby. It sounds like a crazy, stupid oh, thing to yeah, say. Yeah, literally. But I was so much counting down of like, all right, this many weeks left. And then you're like, oh, now this Now is, it starts. Now it starts. Yeah. What was your conversation like with the hospital? Like, so, so you got there and, you know, they were ready for you. And was there a specific doctor that you worked with? I guess, because I'm trying to help people understand if they wanted to have a natural birth at a hospital, yeah. like what the conversation would be like, what would they look for? Mm-hmm. Like, what's that process and how is it different? That's a great question. Yeah. So um, I decided to work with the midwife team at UCLA. So more and more hospitals now uh, will have midwives on staff within their OB group. So within UCLA's birth birthing group, they have this team of six or seven midwives. And the reason I opted to go that route is that midwives to me were more experienced in natural births. So a midwife won't be the person delivering the baby if you need if you decide if you need a C-section, for example. They only do vaginal births. You can still have an epidural and work with a midwife. You can still have interventions if needed, but they take the more low risk births. So thankfully, you know, I was really fortunate that I didn't have any complications. So I was able to stick with our midwife team and they just really were amazing there because they left it up to me to tell them what I wanted. So something that our doula helped me with was preparing a birth plan. And instead of a plan, I liked calling it my birth goals because planning seemed like you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you have to be ready for things to take a different turn. But it was, this is my vision. These are my goals. Um, I think it's so easy to step in, whether you go with a doctor or a midwife, uh, it's so easy to relinquish our own power and our own abilities and just ask the doctor. And, and we, we, it's like that white coat syndrome where you just think the doctor knows best for my body. And really they, they don't all the time. You know, there's certain things. If something's going wrong, thank God, like we have doctors who can be amazing. And, you know, I was, that's why I wanted to be in the hospital, like just to have that support in case we needed it. But, um, but to know that everything is actually up to you. I didn't end up wearing a hospital gown even, you know, I've had clients who'd be like, what do I have to do when I get there? It's like, whatever you want, it's actually up to you. Nobody can force you to do anything. Nobody, you know, I was in a t-shirt and then the baby came like that was it. And what I loved about the midwives that I worked with. So it was just one midwife, then a resident because UCLA is a teaching hospital. So there was an OB resident in the room and our doula and my husband. And it was very much, it very much felt like my birth. I didn't feel like I was there just as a participant. It felt like they were there participating in my birth, which is a subtle shift. But I think just if you're interested in a more natural birth, that can mean different things to different people. But if you're interested in steering your own plan, then look for a doctor who asks you for your birth plan. Look for a doctor who's open to um, taking you seriously and knowing what you want it to look like. Because there's a lot of considerations, what you want to do when the baby is born. There's things like delaying, cutting the cord. There's all these different things to keep in mind. And 
you want a doctor who's going to be open to your desires and respect that and not just kind of turn the other way and say, yeah, whatever. So what are those things that, you know, you can control, like delaying cutting the cord, things yeah. concerning your pl- placenta yeah. and saving that? Like, are they are they aware of that or do you need to kind of be your own advocate when it comes to that? Mostly you need to be your own advocate. Yeah. Uh, delayed cord clamping was something we decided to do because there have been a lot of proven benefits. So they, and most hospitals and doctors are totally open to that. That's kind of a known thing at this point. Most people will do, or not, I mean, maybe not everyone will do, but it's respected. The placenta, I did decide to keep it. I decided to encapsulate and go with a company that does that. So again, uh, our team, the midwives that are at UCLA, they were very respectful of that. Like, I mean, we brought our own cooler bag and literally like put it on. We just asked for ice and they put it on ice for us. And we put it in the bag. And then the woman, the service that we hired came to the hospital and picked it up and turned it into capsules for us. Yeah. What is the benefit of the delayed cord clamping and then ingesting your placenta? That is a big question. That's yeah, a big question. Sorry, yeah. Be no, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So the delayed cord clamping... Uh, it's blood flow. Uh, there's a lot of nutrients that are in that blood flow. So the, the baby can receive additional blood flow, um, iron levels. It's good for those reasons. Yeah. There's, there's so many more reasons and I've forgotten since because I've been in now postpartum land for a year, but it's, uh, so is it still, so you just stay in- attached to the base, so the umbilical cord. The umbilical, so okay. they just, I didn't know if yeah. it was cut lo- like farther down and then they clamp it later or yeah. So it's, it's actually not to- cut at all. Got yeah. It. So, and it's only a matter of a few minutes. So the benefits okay. have been shown even just waiting like two to three minutes, the blood flow back, mm-hmm. back to the baby that helps them helps, uh, is, is really great. You know, if you wait too long, uh, there are downsides. So like a r- increased risk of jaundice, if you wait too long. So there's pros and cons to everything. There have been enough studies to show if you wait like two, three minutes instead of immediately clamping that there's benefit. Also like really being uh, an advocate for skin to skin contact right after. Again, if something, if there's a health reason, you know, if there's something that they have to take care of the baby, it's not always going to be possible, but it didn't use all these things that you would, when I say them, it sounds like, oh, of course you'd want skin to skin. It didn't used to be the norm. You know, just one or two generations ago, baby was born and swept away and taken to a nursery. Like, and now you go to the, in most hospitals, baby and mother are not separated at all unless they have to be. So you still, in a lot of cases, have to stand up for that, for what you want. There's a great book called Natural Hospital Birth, and she has checklists and explanations and really helps you envision like what you want and how to talk to your doctor about that more natural approach, even if you're in a totally mainstream hospital that doesn't have midwives. So I liked that a lot. And then the placenta encapsulation, there's so much controversy. It's one of those things though that um, there have been a lot of a lot of women who have had anecdotal, that's the word I'm looking for, anecdotally like amazing benefits. Uh, scientifically speaking, there haven't been the studies to prove it either way. There's a lot of fear out there. Um, I hadn't decided. I was back and forth until two days before Eliza was born when I finally decided like this feels right for me. And I had the placenta encapsulated and mostly your your placenta stores all of these nutrients and hormones to help with the baby's development, right? It's like this amazing organ that we grow. And so for me, uh, it made sense to take that, to, to get those nutrients back reabsorbed into my body. 
And I observed afterwards when I wouldn't take the placenta capsules on the days that I wouldn't take them, feeling way more drained. Um, It definitely helped my energy. So again, there are pros and cons. I think there's still a lot that we have to know. We have to find out about ingesting your own placenta. But to me, it felt right. And I didn't feel that the risk was outweighed the potential pros. And so I went for it and I'm really glad I did. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad that that's being like destigmatized too. Because I feel like, you know, people think it's kind of woo-woo and crazy, but it's like a part of your body. Yeah. My bed has been my sanctuary. It is truly. (laughs) You know, as we've learned more about clean living and living more consciously and trying my best to switch all of my products to organic and natural over here, one of the things that I almost overlooked until we found our amazing sponsor, Altera Pure, was my bedding. Where I spend most of my day Mm -hmm. sleeping eight to nine hours a, a night Um, I'm in my bed sheets a lot. So having them be clean and organic is super important. They are committed to sustainability, to fair trade with their partners, how they make them, who's making them, where they make them. And they're committed to the communities that build their products. So they really, they go there. They're very hands-on. And you can actually contact Altera Pure. If you have any questions, they're happy to answer any questions. They're super, super transparent. So there's no secrets, products, They are not only certified, but they're verified and they are happy to show you all of the details. So we just love Altera Pure, comfortable, sustainable, and you know, it's really our responsibility. Hey, Earth, Mother Earth is like praying for this type of stuff to happen. So we're really happy to to be, you know, investing in and supporting brands that care about Mother Earth. And uh, we're happy to share a discount with you. So almost 30 is the code. If you go to alterapure.com, A-L-T-E-R-R-A-Pure.com, almost 30 is the code that will get you 15% off on everything. Free shipping and over, you know, $75, you'll get that free shipping. There's no minimum purchase though for the discount. So alterapure.com, almost 30 is the code for 15% off. Daily Harvest, my secret weapon for eating healthy all the time. I have their amazing smoothies in the morning. It's almost like a Fab Four smoothie, fills me up all morning. And then at night when I want something in a pinch, I'll have one of their awesome, awesome harvest bowls. Oh, I am loving. They have some new harvest bowls. Sweet potato and wild rice hash is that one's so nourishing. Oh, I yeah. love that. And then the spinach and shiitake grits. I'm loving super creamy and just like warm. <laughs> Butternut squash and kale uh, shakshuka, which is a shakshuka I really love, but this is kind of like a unique take on it. Anyway, I mean, all the fruits and vegetables are frozen at peak freshness and delivered straight to your Door. You cannot go wrong with Daily Harvest. I've turned my mom onto it. She loves it so much. Yeah, and they're more than just smoothies, harvest bowls. They also have soups, lattes, oat bowls if you want some amazing oats, chia bowls, and then they have cookies yeah. that are plant-based and vegan. I mean, say no more. Uh, we love Daily Harvest and we think you're going to love it too. So go to daily-harvest.com and enter the promo code ALMOST30 to get three free cups in your first box. So that's promo code almost 30 for three free cups at daily-harvest.com and then after so after you had Eliza you know you're there what are some of the things you did like how did you feel what was it like to go home 
Yeah. Like what, what were you feeling about your body? Um, highs and lows and everything in between. I mean, it was like, you know, you're kind of in shock. It's like those moments after. That is literal shock. This is I a terrible analogy, but I was going to say it's like moments after a car crash. You don't really know if you're hurt or not. You're just kind of like checked out, like you're in like another reality. And okay, so this is a much better <laughs> experience than that because you're excited and you have this baby. But I just remember being in the twilight zone for a few days and we were there. We spent the two nights, you know, I, I was thinking like, okay, we have these two nights to have nurses wait on us 24 seven. Like, yeah, I'm going to take both nights here. We'll see if there's an, you know, if there's another kid, I don't know if we'll spend both nights at the hospital. We'll probably want to get home, but it was helpful for me to have that extra support. They will literally like change every diaper for you, help you with everything. Every nurse that came in, I was like, how do I swaddle? How do I do this? And you ask, like ask for so much support because they're there and they don't necessarily think to give you everything that's available unless you ask for it. So there are lactation consultants who can come around the hospital. And I was like, look, send them around, send them around. Like I want all the help I can receive before we have to go home and do this on our own, which was really helpful. Um, But yeah, we came home two days after and just the like emotional state that you're in. I mean, I can't even compare it to anything else. I remember getting home and just crying, like tears of joy for days. Every time I would just look at like this little this little person and know, and, and Pete as well, like look at him and just know that we had created this little family it was amazing. So mostly joy, but then my body also feeling, feeling really soft, feeling like very weak, like my core, I just didn't have a core, like in terms of posturally, I, they, it, what was default in the hospital was to offer a lot of um, full strength, like Motrin, like triple strength. They recommended like taking Motrin every three hours. And I just was like, I don't have pain. And they're like, now you want to take this. I really recommend it. And I didn't, I took the first dosage. And then I was like, you know, I have never, never during pregnancy, never before have been somebody to just pop, you know, pain relievers just to not feel something. Like I just really try to avoid that. And so I didn't, and I felt fine. And look, if you have a more traumatic birth or there's like reasons that, and you're in pain, like by all means, take the medicine so that you're not like <laughs> dying from pain. Mm-hmm. But I was just, again, kept going back to that approach of like, I'm going to feel this more. I want to feel this more, even if it's a little bit harder. But yeah, there were, there were definitely hard moments uh, getting home and getting through those first few weeks. Those first few weeks were amazing because there was so much support community is like really there for you. Family. I had family who was out. I actually found that the first five weeks was a lot easier than the second five weeks. Your adrenaline. I mean, you're so high on life, literally this new life that's been created. You're just go, go, go. I wasn't sleeping. You know, you're just, you're totally running on fumes, but you're so psyched that this happened, that you're home, that you're okay. And then around week six, seven, everyone kind of goes back to their lives people are busy, you know, family leaves, your hormone levels are changing all the time, especially with breastfeeding, you're all over the map. So that's when I really started feeling like, okay, this is, this is hard. This feels like, you know, like the loneliness can start to creep in because you're both really so feeling so connected to this new being, but then feeling isolated from everyone else. So that's been something over the last year that 
I've had to really navigate, like feeling so high and then so low within a matter of minutes or hours within the same day. And I just, yeah, I think there's, there's, it's hard to admit that because um, in admitting the lows, you feel like an ungrateful somehow that you have this amazing baby and there's just a lot of stigma around that. So, yeah. Did you and Pete have conversations, sorry, Pete's your husband, Mm -hmm. have conversations around what you wanted to maintain between you, like even after the baby came, like just kind of things that you were like committed to giving that like care and attention because like what ends up happening is the baby's here and all the attentions to her just so like you kind of had those markers of like oh yeah okay we committed to making sure that we had this time together yeah yeah you know i wish we did that more and that would be something i was so focused on prenatal health and wellness that i didn't put that much attention into our life post baby and that's definitely advice i would give or just kind of suggest to others that there, it doesn't just figure itself out. I kind of thought, yeah, well, baby will come and we'll figure it out. And I remember probably about two months in, my husband having a remark to me about like, can we talk about something other than the baby? And of course, in my like hormonal breastfeeding self, flew off the rails of like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, what do you mean? What do you want to talk about? You know. And then I thought about it a week later, a few days later. I was like, okay, I understand that. Like, it is important. Like relationship is not just going to happen. Um, It never just happens, right? Pre-baby, post-baby, but especially now, I'm constantly having to think about like, okay, what do we need for our relationship? And because going out together just alone after baby goes to sleep, it's the last thing, to be honest, that I often want to do. You know, like sex is the last thing on the mind a lot of the times when you're healing, especially. So it's really... um, become apparent to me that like anything else in life, relationship, it takes active work, especially now. And so nourishing that as much as you do the baby, there's this um, book that I'm reading called And Baby Makes Three. And uh, Gottman is the author. He and his wife are this amazing duo therapists. They do marriage and family counseling and the rate of marriage problem marital issues after pregnancy or after birth is so astoundingly high. Um, and you realize, of course, that's, you know, it's, you're both tired. <laughs> you're both asked to do something that you've never done before. And so unless you are actively trying to reframe how you speak to one another and be kind and be patient and not just rely on each other for everything, something we were talking about before, getting support, lear- learning to ask for help where you need it and receive uh, is something that I think our relationship is benefiting from and, and going out and spending time together, even when you really don't want to, even when you just want to go to bed, um, I think has been, has proven to be really important for us. Mm. And, and realizing that our relationship is literally the best gift we can give to our baby. Cause as the second that we have any tension, literally she starts crying. Like even if we're not saying anything, like babies feed off energy like crazy. So it's it's so important. Wow. True Preaching words to myself. Have never yeah. been said. Yeah, Thanks literally. for sharing that and being so honest. That's really, yeah. that'll help a lot of people. I hope I can remember to be inclusive of Justin. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like 
I'm always, and this is probably what being pregnant or not, like I'm always just on my path doing my thing. And like, I could see myself being like, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. Da, 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 da. And like, I just would need to remember to like be inclusive of his feelings and like be inclusive of him in the process Mm -hmm. because we're going to educate ourselves or I'm going to educate myself as much as possible. Like he's maybe less likely to educate himself in the same way that I am. So like being inclusive for him of the process and of everything that's going on so that he can be of support is going to be like important. It's going to be important. Yeah. Giving them the chance to to show up in the best way that they know how. Because I can imagine, I mean, this is like the farthest thing from them of like their wheelhouse (laughs) of knowing. Right. So like, it's almost just too daunting to even start to learn about all the things. So to welcome them in, I think is like a huge, would be a huge like, okay, I can do this. Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. About you guys, but for me, the tendency is, um, I know how to do something better than you. So I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't do it, then I'm probably going to ask that girlfriend be before tombstone. I ask you. That will right? actually be on my tombstone. <laughs> so and I forget <laughs> who shared this with me, but it was literally the best advice for me ever. Uh, that perfection... It was probably me. It was probably you. Yeah. yeah. It was I definitely also, both of you. In the chase, it was me. It was either Krista or Maya it was Angelou. Either, or, yeah. or Aristotle. One, yeah. of One of them. I never keep it straight. Uh, perfection is the enemy of progress. And mm. at least in this stage of life, that has proved to be very true. That idea of like, I can do it best, so I'm going to do it will literally kill you. (laughs) Like when there's a baby in the picture too, I have to consciously now when I leave to take some time for myself or go have work meetings or whatever it is, I really try to not have everything taken care of for my husband. Like I try not to have Eliza's next meal all lined up because that's my tendency. Like my tendency is just to like take care of it because I know what she needs to eat or what I want her to eat, or I know what the house needs to be, all this stuff. And in doing that, I've had many times over the last few months where I just feel totally depleted. And then it also sets up Pete, it sets up my husband to not be able to learn how to do something. And I have to kind of keep working on, and I think this is good for all of us as women to um, accept, receive more help, to ask for more help, to seek out support. There is nothing glamorous about doing it all at the expense of your health, at the expense of your self-care. And that's where I've found myself more often than not. And then I've needed to say, wait a minute, I'm not practicing what I preach. I'm not doing for myself what I tell all of my clients to do, which is to actually take care of my basic needs. There's, yeah, there's too much judgment around seeing other people who are getting support. I've fallen into that myself. You know, you see other people who get a lot of support and you say, well, why aren't they just doing it themselves? Are they not able to? And then you realize, wait a minute, I need the same thing. I'm being judgmental because I'm jealous. I want to, because I want that. Yeah. So that's the damn yeah. truth. What, um, just to finish the the conversation about the health piece. So post um, baby, what yeah. did you do health wise? And then what have you been doing since birth? Yep. So Immediately post baby, it was really leaning into the meals that my mom helped me prepare, that I had prepared, that I asked friends to help with, having food that was easy because there was just not time. So for me, I found it really helpful to have a lot of warming foods. So I did a lot of soups, a lot of, I mean, even we did like more comforting foods. Like we did a lot of like quinoa and brown rice pasta with vegetables and just 
like easy, easy foods that made me happy. And I wasn't, I let go of all judgment around like what, you know, getting my body back. Like that idea, I think as women and as in a society, the first thing, and you see a picture of a woman after like a picture with their baby, if we're being honest, what do we look at first, the baby or the new mom? And what are we saying? Like, does she look good or not? How does she look? Does she got, has she gotten her body back? And I struggled with that because there's so many other things that are more important in that moment. So to me, it wasn't about cutting calories at all. It was actually about increasing calories, especially while nursing. I was just famished all the time. So I am a big believer in having a postpartum pantry stash. Um, So I had literally bedside bars like the Kalumi bars and other bars by my bedside that I would eat at 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Like starving, wake up starving. And just embracing that and never trying to diet or cut calories after having a baby when you're, especially if you're breastfeeding, you need the energy. Calories are energy. Uh, Just focus on good calories. I actually um, had to then tweak. I decided to tweak what I was doing food-wise because Eliza was having some uh, reflux and having digestive problems, having bowel problems. So um, it was amazing. I We have a really awesome pediatrician who is very holistically minded. And he suggested that I you know, look at anything I'm eating that could be causing her problems. So I did a complete elimination of any gluten, dairy, uh, almonds, and eggs because those were gluten and dairy because I know personally that those can cause issues, but then almonds and eggs because I was eating a lot of them. And it actually cleared up and her symptoms got a lot better. So for a few months postpartum, I wasn't having any of those foods, which was hard. Eggs were a really easy staple for me <laughs> leading up to that, but it was worth it. And it was just amazing to see the power of what we eat. Like it just reminded me that what I eat then goes through my breast milk to my baby and changes her entire state emotionally and physically. So that was really cool. I, what else? Postpartum, I really didn't do smoothies right away. I stayed away from raw foods for a while. My digestion, your digestion is weaker. So it was also January. So you have to think about time of year, season, where you are. More than any time in your life, I think eating for nourishment, for eating for the season after having a baby is so important. So focusing on focusing on those foods. And then, you know, maybe three, four months postpartum thinking, okay, what can I do to make sure I feel my best. You know, I didn't do much physically uh, besides walking for a few months. And then I started with Pilates, uh, which I still, that's my main thing. I think postpartum, you need just so much strengthening pelvic floor. Um, I've been seeing a pelvic floor rehabilitation specialist, so like a physical therapist who helps with pelvic floor healing. And I'm shocked at how like why every woman doesn't do this. I wish like everybody knew about this and did this. What does it um, mean that if, if so, your pelvic floor has been affected? Yeah. Like, so everybody's pelvic floor has been affected for starters. You're basically 99.9% likely that you will tear in some way, interior, exterior, externally or internally. And your pelvic floor is most of your core strength. So that's like those... Uh, Lindsay, I forget the name, the, uh, the muscles that transverse run. Thank you. Yeah. Transverse. Your transverse, transverse abdominals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you need to really strengthen those to bring your core strength back. And I noticed that my body kind of snapped back in terms of, I weighed what I used to weigh, everything, you know, because I, I, I didn't, you know, I still returned to how I normally eat, but I just 
still I'm strengthening now, but would feel really weak in that separation. Most women, I think it's almost a hundred percent now will have some kind of separation of their abs. So the pelvic floor healing, the physical therapist that I've been going to, and there's two of them that are amazing in LA. The one I've been going to, she will literally do an internal exam the first time. And she is feeling for scar tissue. In all of my follow-ups with my doctors, they just said at six weeks, like, looks great. You're good to go. And then I had you know my annual appointment a few months ago. And they're like, yeah, everything's good. And meanwhile, I was going through feeling like I had all this scarring, feeling pain, just all these issues. I'm like, is this in my head? Is this an emotional issue? Like what... I don't feel right. I don't feel healed. And so I go to this physical therapist and within two minutes before I even tell her anything, she's feeling around. She's like, yeah, you have scar tissue right here. That's got to be really painful. Like let's manually work on that. And so she's in there actually like working out scar tissue. And I think of all of like, think of all our moms. I think of so many women even now too, that we just accept feeling kind of crappy once you're a mom. It's like, the social norm is still to be kind of tired, kind of disheveled, kind of depleted, not physically what you were before. And you talk to women in the generation before us and all of them will just say, yeah, welcome to motherhood. And I think that's really fucked up. Like, I just mm-hmm. think there's actually no reason when we, why we have to not feel our best. I refuse to accept that belief that our bodies are just not going to be as what they were once you have a baby. So going into, you know, tapping into the resources that exist. So going to this physical therapist and two sessions and I feel like a new person. So it's not like, you know, all right, you're going to have five years of intense healing ahead. It's just going to somebody who actually knows. Um, finally, I think there's, there, are, there are women and experts out there who know what happens in our body and can actually help us heal properly. So I've been doing different exercises to strengthen. I think Pilates for me has been amazing uh, for anybody postpartum because it's all about reconnecting your abs. And yeah, just again, listening to the body for that healing. And, and if something feels off, not accepting it, saying like, this is off. Look, there's got to be something I can do to help this. And there is, thankfully, a lot of the times. Hmm. I wanted to, and you touched on this, but I wanted to ask about like your identity so like your shift through the process, because I remember when you first got pregnant, we talked about this, you know, like yeah. how did your identity change or your sense of self change from being pregnant to being a mom? And what do you think about it now? Like, how do you relate yourself to being a mom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess, because I, I don't know. I just think about like, I feel like I'm going to be so different. So I just don't know how, how did you like evolve through the process? Yeah, I think I'm totally different and totally the same. It's just like weird, like <laughs> these two parts of me. There's definitely a part now that exists as a mom. It's like that, the part of my brain that's just always in the now. Like I'm more present than ever because I need to be because I'm with my baby pretty much all day, every day. You're thinking of somebody else's needs all the time. And so that's really cool. On the one hand, it's also really challenging because it's easy um, to fall deeply into the nurturer kind of part of your brain and then forget about the business side of your brain or the side that you know was the more masculine that was about going out there and getting if you're really in the feminine, the nurturing. So it's been about kind of for me navigating how can I 
maintain some level of that pre-motherhood identity where I was really about my business and moving my business along, how can I maintain that in ways that still bring me joy? I had a lot of pressure I was putting on myself at first postpartum. Like, So two months after my baby was born, I decided to do another certification. I did this, it's called Sano School for Culinary Medicine. And it was this awesome three-month program where uh, it was all evidence-based nutrition, like further nutrition education. So every two weeks was we would study another system of the body and then I would design a one-week menu and every food had to be backed by a study that proved the benefit for the body for that condition. So it was very cool, um, but it was a lot of work. And I was very naive going into it. I thought, okay, I'm going to be on maternity leave. It's the perfect time to do this course. And I like say that now. I'm like, was I crazy? Because you, it's hard to anticipate all of the, not just demands on your time when you're taking care of a baby, but just the emotional shift, the identity shift. I'm glad I did that course. And thankfully, my husband was had a flexible schedule at the time. So he helped a lot. But the number of you know late nights and weekends uh, in order to get through this three-month program and have this big write-up at the end was, was a lot. Um, and I think part of the reason why I did that is that I was afraid if I didn't, that I would fall out of touch, that I would just like be forgotten in the wellness world. I was like, I have to stay sharp. I have to stay you know, learning and doing something new. And it was too much because I got to the end. Well, I'm glad I did it. I got to the end and I just, by, by June or July when I finished, I felt really depleted because I was staying up late and then to finish my school assignments and then nursing two, three times a night still. And then it was just this like blur of three months. And, you know, what I realized I really wanted was to like really lean out. <laughs> like I didn't want to be maintaining my business to the degree that I was before Eliza was born. And I had a lot of guilt guilt and judgment around that. I didn't really want to... I didn't feel like being on social media. And I had a lot of people, like friends of mine saying like, are you okay? You haven't been sharing. You haven't been posting. And it took a lot of just like staying true to what I wanted to just say like, yeah, I'm all good. I'm just kind of living more privately right now. And I think we live in a time where it's like, if you do that, it's like you're weird or something's wrong with you. <laughs> that's at least that's what I put on myself. And I realize now, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you go off Instagram for a few months, you come back, not much has changed. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, what I value more is for my business to be totally aligned with where I am. If it's not, then I don't feel like I'm being authentic. I don't feel like I'm going to be the best coach I can be. So I've had clients the whole time, but I haven't really been on the social media side. And that's been very helpful. Um, And sometimes I feel like it and I'm all in and sometimes I don't. And I think the biggest shift for me since becoming a mom is just like not caring as much about how I'm perceived. And I think that's a shift you guys talk about a lot with going from 20s to 30s. So that for me happens to be coinciding with motherhood. So it just amplifies it. Yeah, it's cool. I feel like I've had in late, you know, recent months more confidence to just stand in my truth and own that I can have my business without making it have to be bigger than it is right now and like be okay with that. That I can, you know, ask for support where I need it. I can, yeah, just kind of taking more permission. Uh, the first, I remember like going out, I think I said you this to you, Krista, when I was like six months postpartum, I would go out with Eliza and feel like naked. <laughs> it would literally be like, 
you know, the dreams that you have that you're in public and you like forgot to wear a shirt or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was like that all the time. And that reminded me that like, okay, I need to consciously like maintain my own identity. I need to really like feed that, nourish that because I've learned my tendency is to just like lean into being full nurturer and forget about what I need to feel complete. And that doesn't do anyone a favor. So I'm working through that right now. Just being honest with like, I need support so that I can still do the other parts, feed the other parts of myself that will make me a better mom, that will make me a better business owner and make me a better wife and all of that. What has been your experience in like creating, not creating or just being a part of a community of moms? Like, I don't, I don't know what that world feels like. Yeah. Um, It's been interesting. I think there's so much online. I have some close mom friends who have moved away from LA or are in other cities, which is great. But at the same time, nothing replaces in-person connection. So I joined a mommy baby. It's called baby group in Santa Monica. Um, It was like, oh, that's the group. You have to join. Everyone does it. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's like mom pressure. And like, I joke about this with my husband that it feels like being in middle school again, where you're like, oh my God, I got to make friends. I don't know know how to do this. Like, oh my God, who's doing what? Like, what's the right thing to do? And so I did. I joined a group that was, you know, for 16 weeks, like when she was eight weeks old or so. And that was great. But you realize like that group ended and now I'm feeling that um, desire to connect to more moms. Like most of my friends here are not moms yet. Um, So uh, I see when I go to like, I've Eliza and I've been going to Zuga, which is awesome, like yoga for kids and families and music class. So we go, I bought a big class pack and we go a few times a week and she just like totally thrives. And so do I, because, you know, you're in an environment with 15 other one to three-year-olds and there's music and they're playing. And you realize like, even if for me, even if I don't think I need it, I need it. Everyone needs it. So it does feel like a middle school dance where I'm like, okay, I have to like put myself out there and find new friends and like connect with more moms. But um, it's definitely worth it. There's a lot in LA. I'm still learning to tap into it. Um, while still maintaining my friendships, you know, with girls who are not married or have kids, because that's important to me too. But so it's a little bit like dancing that, dancing that line, like having two identities and figuring out how to keep them married and not feel weird about it. Mm -hmm. What would be um, some parting advice you would give to any of our mamas to be? Hmm. Or mamas? Yeah, I would say the most important thing for me has been being really honest with yourself about what you need to feel complete, to shine as a new mom, to shine as a wife, to shine as just you as a person, forget about mom or wife, and then ask for help and and receive that help better. I think as women, so much of the tendency is just to buck up, to just say like, I got this, I'm going to figure out. And it always comes at the expense of something. And usually it's at the expense of our health. So yeah. Right, that's say, mental, physical, emotional. Exactly. It, it, yeah. It can be all of the above. Yeah. I would say that. And then know that you're, you are stronger than you probably give yourself credit for, especially while pregnant. I think start reading, start educating. I'd be happy that, you know, I'll send you guys a list of all the, the books and resources I liked. Happy to share that. Um, but yeah, I think trust that you can do more than you probably give yourself credit for. And then at the same time, ask 
for support and help so that you can like be your best version of yourself when it comes to motherhood. Yes. What do you love most about being a mom? Oh man. Mornings with, that's also the hardest part because it's 6am every day, but I love just the connection with Eliza every morning. She comes into our bed and she's just like, so radically present at every moment of the day. Like it's such an amazing lesson in just letting go of whatever happened yesterday or whatever happened tomorrow, because literally a baby doesn't know anything but the moment they're in. And so that's been my favorite part. Favorite part is just being with her and getting completely lost in play and, and not worrying about anything else for those few minutes that were, you know, just in that or the hour or two. And it's like revisiting my inner child and letting that really um, be a big part of our relationship. Like I really, as a mom, want to focus on connection and play with my kids, which is again, another reason to ask for help in other areas um, because I want to just cherish that, that those moments that you can't get back. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, so beautiful. Where can our lovely community connect with you? I am at daniellakende.com. I'm Daniela Kende on Instagram. And then if you're in LA, I'll be doing some more prenatal and postpartum workshops. I'm actually partnering up with Ardula. Uh, she has a yoga studio. So we're doing workshops there and other places. And then I'm taking on one-on-one consultations. Um, I do a lot of just one-off pregnancy or postpartum prep sessions. Actually, on my way over today, I got a text from my client who just had her baby. So um, it's so fun to work with the pregnant mamas. D-A-N-I-E-L-A. Yep. K-E-N-D-E. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Woo-woo. Ding, ding. for me. And the winner is... (laughs) Well, you're my idol and... Truly. I just... I love you so much. I'm so glad you did it first. Uh, Thanks, honey. Thanks, guys. Thanks Um, for having me. And then, yeah, we'll put everything she mentioned in the show notes. So if you could give us that list, that would be great for you guys all to reference. And again, this is just meant to be sort of a perspective and conversation about conscious childbirth, conscious pregnancy, accepting and loving all mamas out there in their process. So cannot wait to see you next week. Thank you so much, lovely one. And we love you guys. guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Danny girl. So good. Thank you. Danny is number and one. And her little babe, Eliza, is I know. cutest of all time. Man, I'll say it once, I'll say it again. When I met Daniela, I was like, oh, she's so pretty. I'm, I want to go away. Honestly, <laughs> what? I was so uncomfortable around her because she's so beautiful. Yeah, so beautiful. And so, so was her beautiful. husband. So. And so they was They found each other. Yeah. <laughs> we love them both. So much. She's the best. So we're excited for you guys to connect mm-hmm. with her learn more about what she can do. And that's just coming from someone that's worked with her and really loved my experience. But thank you for sharing this episode with all the women in your life so that we can be more educated to take on our health and make better decisions for us. And thanks for getting us to 2K reviews. It means a whole lot. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.